0: Everyday crossfitters who get addicted to this are like, oh no, I'm going to punish myself today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So why would they not do that in the kitchen as well, right? And a lot of times you're correct. Taste comes second. But if you can offer something that meets the efficacy needs of a crossfitter while also delivering the taste, oh my gosh, like that's a win. And that's what we're doing.
1: Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, founder of Brand Crudeau, a marketing consultancy. I have a proven method to unlock a brand's unique proposition and create marketing around the single truth you can own. No one can copy your truth. Today's unfiltered truth comes from my guest, Dylan Jones. He is the CMO at Podium Nutrition. They're a company born to cater to the nutritional needs of the CrossFit world, and now basically headed for world domination. My conversation with Dylan is filled with great examples of how companies can use audience understanding to make their product decisions, develop a marketing strategy around their needs, and forging like-minded partnerships. So give your breakfast an extra shake, and let's dig in. Dylan, welcome to Uncooked. I want to introduce you to the audience and let me know if I have this right, that you are the CMO of a nutrition company called Podium Nutrition, and you're also an entrepreneur launching a chewing gum business, which we'll get into later because I need to understand that a little bit. But before we get into what's happening at Podium Nutrition, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and give everyone your backstory about Dylan Jones?
0: CMO, Podium Nutrition. I am dumping my life savings into chewing gum as well. We can talk about that later. Background is pretty unconventional. Maybe more conventional as time goes on, but high school dropout, got married real young. My wife and I just knew we were done playing the dating game. So we got married at 20. And so our life started real, real early. We got our first child at 23 and I'll be 29 this Friday. So I'll say young and hungry is what made me kind of get to the level that I'm at now. You know, when you're at a construction site and your wife is pregnant, and you have zero clue what's going on and the dream of being a musician got flushed down the toilet, all of a sudden, you got to figure something out real quick. So university of YouTube is what I tell people, honestly, anything is searchable. And I use digital marketing as kind of the avenue to get into this role of a CMO. So there's different avenues I think people can take into getting into different, you know, chief spots or any kind of position that you're aiming for. There's different roads you can take. And I chose digital because the rate of change was so fast in that industry, I recognized that any kind of college degree or certification was, frankly, outdated by the following semester. Mm-hmm. And with the amount of Google algorithm changes and social media advertising changes that happen, sometimes hour to hour, I was like, okay, I can exploit this. I won't need a degree. I can become a trusted source in this if I just put my nose down and do it every day. So, from construction, went into some small businesses where I was trusted with e commerce in the fishing industry, just random kind of action sports stuff. And then once I cut my teeth there, I was like, okay, I'm going to start an agency because I've always been kind of entrepreneurial. So I started an agency. We scaled up to about six employees, had an office in San Diego where we were living at the time. And I realized real quick, one, too many employees scaled too quickly. Big lesson learned there, but we kept everyone afloat. I was really proud of how we treated them and, and how we paid them and just the team that we had. It was awesome, but yeah. scaled too quickly. Two, there's no real exit in agency like frameworks, unless you have proprietary software. So then we went down the software route, which was just boring. And four, I wasn't passionate about it. So after that agency thing fell apart, just willingly, I was like, you know, I I just don't care about this anymore. I went back brand side with a company called Mary Ruth Organics and was their VP of digital. Huge Shopify store, won't say any of the numbers, but whatever number you're thinking, bigger. It was crazy, the amount of volume that we did there. That was my first kind of intro into private equity and navigating that fun dance, and then realized quickly, man, I'm not really passionate about this either. I think I need to go back to starting a business. But now that I have all this experience, I know exactly what I want to do. Until then, though, I need something to pay my mortgage. So that's how I got introduced with Paul at Podium Nutrition. Fell in love with their branding is what honestly caught my eye. The packaging looked phenomenal. I could picture it in retail. I could see the brand vision. I looked at the founding team and I was like, okay, this is a good brand to kind of saddle up with right now and really grow and help build their team while building the business uh, for buddies simultaneously. And it's just been awesome so far.
1: Cool. Well, why don't you tell everyone what the heck is Podium Nutrition? How long has it been yeah. around? What makes it awesome? I do love the branding too, by the way. There's something retro about it, but like not in a kitschy way. It's really cool.
0: So Podium Nutrition, the primary founder of this brand, is a guy named Paul Haverland, who I have huge respect for. He is a phenomenally level-headed, focused, and very sector-intelligent founder. He understands this industry. His history, the TLDR of it, is he was the founder of Ghost Lifestyle as well. So huge, huge supplement brand in the powder space, still dominating to this day. And then prior to that, he was on the original NutriVol team, C4 Energy, all that kind of stuff. So. His kind of claim to fame and all of that was really understanding the heartbeat of brand. And he recognizes thoughts within the supplement industry that are underserved, takes a hold of that, builds a brand just for that, and then can kind of let it grow from there. He's got a gift for that. So the branding is all him. When he was starting Podium, he wanted to go for exactly what you said, a non-kitchy but retro kind of approach with a modern lifestyle performance aspect to it. And there was no real brand doing that. And when he was looking at that, he saw that's exploitable. What what kind of fitness is also not really being served right now? How can we leverage that? And CrossFit was wide open. There was nothing really purely born into CrossFit. There was a lot of brands trying to get into CrossFit, but that's completely different than being a brand built in CrossFit.
1: I think that's an important distinction. Can you maybe explain that to the audience? Because you would think it might be one and the same, but what is it about being built within CrossFit?
0: Look at electric vehicles, if we want to get a little controversial. When you think electric vehicle, you don't think the Ford Escape hybrid. Most people still don't even think Prius to this day. A while ago, 2008 maybe, Prius, you'd think Prius, you think hybrid. But I say electric vehicle, you think Tesla. Sure. Tesla authentically went after the electric, Vehicle environment. They don't offer a gasoline vehicle. They are purely built from within a stance of we are EV, whatever, regardless of views of whoever's running that, you know, whatever. But you think electric vehicle, you think Tesla. There are other players in the game. And when they started to get into it, their own core audiences, like Ford, like Chevy, they recognized it as almost like you're abandoning your core base. What are you doing? Are you just chasing a trend? It's very hard to authentically tell a story that, oh no, we're gonna go into this new sector and it's real. We actually care about those consumers. We're actually here for you. We understand all the nuances. I think Ford actually just released a report about how they kind of misproject managed the release of one of their electric vehicles to the point where it was like, this is not even worth it. We kind of screwed the pooch on this. So when we bring that back to what podium saw in CrossFit and what Paul saw in CrossFit was going, Hey, we have brands who are reaching into CrossFit and they're trying to build trust, but It's just not sticking because either A, they don't have the resources and infrastructure to dedicate a team to that. You know, when you start in a new industry, it's almost like starting a new business. You should have a team that's responsible for the P&L of just that category. And I think that what we saw in brands trying to get into CrossFit and the functional fitness space was that they didn't have that level of act or infrastructure leadership available to do that. Or they kind of took consumerism for granted and thought, oh, well, surely they'll just hop on because we are XYZ brand. Both of those stances are really dangerous. If you're going to launch into a new category, it is possible, but you need to be hyper intentional so that you don't lose your core base and authentically tell a story being born into that new space. So for Podium, one of our main slogans is built from within. And I think that perfectly just kind of sums up that our hub, if you will, picture a bicycle wheel, our hub is in CrossFit. We are born and built from within the CrossFit sector. You know, one of our founding partners is Matt Fraser. He's a five-time Games winner. He's an absolute legend in the space. We have Heber and Mars who are incredible documentarians and filmmakers, and they were kind of first started and were born and bred in the CrossFit environment as well, as far as recognition goes. So our team is authentic. We have a really cool roster of really amazing athletes in the space that are well-respected too. And so from that position, that's our hub. So when we think of expanding through Functional Fitness and Podium's future, we're always going to come back to, okay... What worked for Podium in the beginning was isolating this idea that we're built from within. So as we expand, how do you bring that mantra to new categories? That's kind of the next step for us. But yeah, Podium's whole story is is starting within CrossFit. It was an underserved environment and we took that opportunity and have done really well so far. We're in year two right now and we're really proud of the work.
1: Hearing Dylan's background, I can understand why he's such an asset to Podium Nutrition. Both Dylan and the company have a sense of scrappy problem solving that really shows up in how they present themselves to the world. What's special about Podium Nutrition is really the origin story rooted in their authenticity. It would have been really easy to think, does the world really need another nutrition powder? But the founder was a member of the CrossFit community, saw an unmet need as it pertains to nutrition formulas that they really could benefit from, and he just went for it. Up next, Dylan explains how Podium approaches different nutrition formulas as their main point of difference. What I would love to understand is there's no shortage of nutrition powders out there. So right. what did the founders see as the problem that they wanted to solve? even within the CrossFit community, when you say that they're underserved, right? So what problem were they trying to solve with coming up with their own powder solutions for nutrition and supplements?
0: There's two answers. One might make certain people uncomfortable, but it's true. There's not much you can do with whey protein that hasn't been done already. So pure honesty there, you're selling flavor, you're selling brand experience, you're selling a feeling, and you're selling trustability with certifications, how it's manufactured, etc. That's whey. However, Podium is broken up into three categories. We have whey, we have our pre-workout fuse, and then our recovery is what I call it as a hydro salt. The fuse blend of pre-workout, when we get into compounds, that's where you can get really creative. And Paul is an excellent formulator. We partnered with a really cool lab for this and manufacturer to create a blend that is fully disclosed so we don't have proprietary hidden ingredient kind of stuff. Everything's fully disclosed on label. So there's another brand win. But Fuse is a phenomenal pre-workout. It is a really well-balanced caffeine hit, but the the cool thing to look into with it is the nootropic profile. What it does to your focus, even after your workout, you don't have this sudden crash. There's kind of a wind down that slowly happens. It's very potent. It's a great, great, great pre-workout. The hydro stall, I think, is even more phenomenal than that. And our reorder rates show that. I mean, it is typically a first customer buys it. You'll see I think the last time I checked, it was 56% of hydrosalt purchasers that are repurchasers will make that second purchase within 14 days. So they're taking double scoops of it, triple scoops of it during the day. And what makes that compound so cool is that it's a heavy electrolyte compound, right? That salt play, but it also has branched chain amino acids in it. So it's really a first of its kind product to combine. That element is really popular for their electrolyte play. But now we've got the BCAAs added in, so your muscle recovery and your sleep from the magnesium and the hydration from all the compounds in there is a phenomenal product. So when we're looking at what we're really offering, admitting that whey is whey, but we have phenomenal flavors and they mix really well with water, that's really cool. And then the second is that for what we could control for new advances in the tech, if you will, I think we've hit it out of the park. The other aspect of that is you'll notice we don't do any RTDs. RTDs. Ready to drink. So these are cans, typically shelf stable, sometimes refrigerated, but you pop them open and your C4 energies now, your monsters, your core power. I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Core yeah. Power, yep. All of these different things. And I love RCDs. I really do. They're great. A lot of the times they taste phenomenal. But we see, especially in our exclusive relationship with GNC, we are in GNCs, we have an exclusive retail partnership with them. We saw that brands are starting to create this vacuum where RTDs are so popular, so they're chasing down that road. And it's leaving this powder category of people who just simply aren't just interested in RTDs, but they're like, hey, I really want performance supplements that I can control, that I can mix, that are shelf stable. I don't need to carry a thing, or like they yep. stay in my home. We started seeing that underserved. i like, okay, let's just play the game that no one else is playing right now. Because RTDs, while they are incredibly convenient for the consumer, they're very painstaking for a brand to do successfully because of the infrastructure needed, the distribution, the partnerships in that. If you need cold refrigeration, that's a whole other added layer. And so when we were looking at the opportunity, how to underserved prospect community for a dedicated brand and seeing this vacuum start where eventually that fad will, I won't say die, but it'll correct. Just like the gummy market that we're seeing now. People think it's trending down. I'm like, no, it just can't keep growing 50% year over year. That's insane. So it's eventually going to correct. And so as the RTD market eventually gets to a point of correction, Podium will still be there taking market stake every single year in the powder space and continually serving there. We will eventually go into RTDs, of course, when we're ready, but we really want to put our flag down and say, hey, we we are a lifestyle performance company centered around powders right now. It makes GNC happy it makes our consumers happy. They know what to expect. And we're not just trying to launch out of the gate with the hottest trend.
1: That makes sense. So I've done work in this space. And from what I know about the target audience, I do want to get into like the CrossFit in particular audience. But from what I know about this audience, Haste is kind of like a nice to have, not a must have, meaning they've spent the better part of the last two decades if they've been in fitness choking really bad stuff down and they're just used to choking it down. So the bar for taste is really low because really they were very conscious about performance. So can you talk a little bit about has that shifted now in the market where your consumers in particular are really looking for both, you know, they want something that really tastes good as well as the performance or is taste still a nice to have? My
0: dad is type 2 diabetic. I grew up with him managing gyms and uh, grew up in the fitness industry. My grandparents were power lifters. <laughs> Even my grandma, she won some competitions. This petite old lady. It. But yeah, in her weight class, she killed it. I, I mean, want her on the it.
1: podcast. <laughs> yeah.
0: My eighth birthday, my grandpa got me a weight bench, three weight dumbbells, and a tub of protein powder, which I believe was like gold standard or something. It was one of those, you know, one of these uh-huh. classic brands that are still around. Yeah. And that was my eighth birthday, and I was just out in the backyard with him, sweating it out. And (laughs) he was just a Golden Gloves boxer, ex-Navy guy. Just, you know, I grew up in, uh, yeah, I grew up in the industry. And because of my dad's diabetes, I also grew up through the whole, like, before we knew aspartame and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and what it did. I went through every single product taste you could possibly imagine from seven years old on. And that was the first thing I noticed about Podium was that, wow, Paul really knows how to make this stuff taste good. Caveat here, you are correct. That taste is secondary, especially in the CrossFit world, I think, because these athletes understand that perform; they're so disciplined. I mean, if you look at the workout compared to a typical DIY workout, and it's great, whatever your workout is, get after it, right? But you look at CrossFit workouts, it's like, it takes a level of determination and Death to self to want to do this every single day. And that's not just the star studded athletes up at the top, like, you know, the cream de la cream. Like these, I'm talking everyday CrossFitters who get addicted to this are like, oh no, I'm going to punish myself today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So why would they not do that in the kitchen as well? Right. And a lot of times you're correct. Taste comes second. But if you can offer something that meets the efficacy needs of a CrossFitter while also delivering the taste, oh my gosh, like that's a win. And that's what we're doing. There is something to be said, though, you know, with Podium, we don't shy away from we never want to be an overly educational kind of brand of heavy science play and the FDA is bringing down your neck because you're making claims. But let the consumer, you know, kind of subjectively decide what things do for them and whatever we have the fully disclosed label, do with it what you will. We also don't want to ever be a basher of ingredients for every athlete who is upset, for instance, that Podium has 8K or superlose in it. I know for a fact that you're also probably going to cheat this week, or maybe part of your glucose up in the middle of your workout as a sour patch kid. And so at that point, we're like, hey, do we really need in all of our products to be all natural monk fruit, blah, 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 and then have to drive a higher premium because some of these ingredients like, is that really a need? Or is it something that a a smaller subset of audiences is is eventually going to want? And maybe we can offer that. So We're proud to announce that starting in January, actually, um, maybe a little earlier, we will have our first all-natural line as a separate addition to Podium for a couple collagen products that are coming out. Um, really excited about that. But we wanted to do flavor first and efficacy first. They're both equally as important. We we have turned down certain formulations because we can't achieve a flavor that we think people will want to keep drinking. Even the diehard CrossFitter, eventually, if you train them and to drinking something that's delicious, if you release something that's even a little bit less than that, it's going to be hard for them to be like, why doesn't it taste as good as your peppermint bark or right. your Medeiros cookies and cream? So both are important. We don't shy away from the fact that we use sucralose and AHA to help achieve that flavor, but we believe that if taste is helping you consume something that's ethical and good for you, then great. We'll gladly deliver that flavor.
1: When Dylan states we're a lifestyle performance company centered around powders, it illustrates that a brand, when they have their focus dialed in and they have a really tight point of view, they don't have to be a slave to trends. Even though ready to drink SKUs are all the rage because of the convenience, Podium is staying the course because they understand enough about their target market to know what's really, truly important to them. Understanding how the CrossFit community prioritizes nutritional choices allows Podium to stay focused on formulas, flavors, and ingredient transparency. This understanding and focus allows them to make key decisions on where they sell their products and with whom they partner with. Having this deep knowledge of your target market can really help you look at data like conversion rates and make better long-term decisions. But how much could there possibly be to know about a CrossFitter? Well, let's find out. I would be remiss as a host to not ask you to get into the CrossFit audience and how completely crazy they are. All right. Oh, yeah. Because I think. Generally speaking, people just know culturally about CrossFit, you know, so if you're not in CrossFit, they just, they know about it, they've heard it, they have a crazy neighbor, you know, who they see like doing crazy For workouts sure. in their yard and stuff like that, but they don't really know about it. Can you please explain to the yeah. audience?
0: The CrossFit, I think, is in a phase right now of kind of how maybe some extreme sports were before the X Games became cool the tricky thing with CrossFit is that, you know, with like surfing, as an example, surfing was kind of a anti norm, anti common culture thing and anti establishment thing, but it became cool. And then people bought into the sport of it. And now it's like a very well respected. It's in the Olympics, right? Right. What's hard about CrossFit is like, you didn't start with like a cool culture, like there's no Shaka for CrossFit, right. And so I think right away, you have this audience that's willing to almost be masochistic with the workouts. They're doing movements at such speed and such rates that the average person looks at and goes, oh, well, that can't be good for you. It's amazing because these are some of the most fit people in the world. The everyday CrossFitter, CrossFit, meaning you're cross-functionally fit, you're ready to kind of take on any challenge, whether that's playing with your kids or helping your mom as she's aging, you know, get, get through the house without tweaking your own back being able to sit at a desk and do the work you need to do and you have mobility because of these movements. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal sport and routine to get in. Crossfitters though are wild. They are incredibly competitive, but I think it is, and this is crazy, maybe a crazier take, but I think it's because of the endorphin release that they have almost a stigma of kind of being like, ah, these workouts, I didn't know CrossFit before I joined CrossFit. I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a little bit of boxing and I've done, you know, some hit workouts and I grew up surfing. So I wasn't completely unfamiliar with it. But when I first joined the team, I was Googling who is Matt Fraser? I didn't know. I really didn't know. I was just good at marketing. And so they're like, hey, do you want to come in and do this? And like, right. sure, but I should probably study first. <laughs> And so I'm like Googling who's Matt Fraser, who are the Buttery Bros, who are all these people? I'm like, wow, this is, I didn't even know that CrossFit had a games. I didn't know that CrossFit was a corporate entity. So they are like CrossFit is a, is a business enterprise. Yeah. yeah. They have a whole team and corporate facility CEO, Like CrossFit is the company. They license out their name. They're, they're full on They're like NFL, right? Kind yeah. of level of licensing there. And so I didn't know any of that. And coming into it, it's just been a, this insane view on like a whole new world that I didn't even know existed. So to your question. Who are CrossFitters? It's people you wouldn't even expect. It's the mom waiting in line to pick up her kid. It's becoming a wildly popular sport. There's movements going around to rapidly increase the amount of gyms that are in CrossFitter called boxes that are opening. But I think it's intimidating. I think that is the one thing that CrossFit is working on right now is how do we make, first of all, weight room is intimidating to most people. I think once we kind of took that out of physical education and and almost made it stigmatized to weight lift and focused hyper diet and like walking and moderation and blah, 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 we kind of lost the beauty of what weights can actually do for a person in resilience and mobility and in joint health. And so weights are already intimidating. A lot of crazy cardio. People know right away. Like, man, I have a hard time most times walking upstairs. How am I supposed to do five hundred mm-hmm. burpees in a day? Like that's an, right. and that's an exaggeration, but some of these workouts are crazy. They're like, yeah. hey, we're gonna do we're gonna do these things called thrusters, and we're gonna do this thing a barbell, and you're gonna squat, oh, yeah. and then you're at the top of your squat, you're gonna put it over your head, and you're gonna do that fifty
1: times." Yeah, and then we're <laughs> done with that. Here's a giant tractor tire <laughs> that you're gonna be like flipping, yeah. and you know, and then I'm gonna sit on it too while you're flipping it. It's like one hundred percent.
0: It is a culture, and I think, though, what most people don't understand is that this is where I kind of am going to hang the hat on the argument that CrossFit wins is because the endorphin release that you get to it is what makes these people addicted. No one ultimately puts themselves through pain unless the outcome is worth it, whether it's, you know, on on the sad side, you know, drug use and on the happy side, something like fitness. The endorphin release you get after these workouts is one of the most phenomenal. Again, I grew up surfing. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I do a lot of fitness stuff. And I love the endorphins you get from there. But you finish what they call a WADA workout of the day at a CrossFit box, you feel like you can conquer the whole world. And it makes everything that much easier. So the next day when you're like, oh, I got to be active. I don't want to be like, okay, well, yesterday I ran two miles and I bench pressed more than I ever thought I could. And I threw a 20 pound medicine ball at the wall 40 times. And I did that all within 45 minutes. I think I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so I, I think that's the part that people need to understand is like, instead of saying, wow, these people are kind of crazy, maybe a little weird, a little kooky, go, wait a second, why wouldn't rational, successful, normal human beings be willing to <laughs> flip a tire in a back alley in 40 minutes of their day. like That's the better question to ask. It must be addicting. And it is.
1: That's so interesting. And that really makes a whole lot of sense because the people that I do know that do CrossFit, that totally lines up. That really lines up. Yeah.
0: And typically too, it's a high household income sport. Most people's lawyers and accountants, they're all doing CrossFit because it's an efficient workout. In 45 minutes, Instead of walking around the block with your friend and going, okay, well, I walked today. I wonder why nothing's progressing. It's like, well, you know why. Um, (laughs) But if you spend that same amount of time going, okay, I'm going to put in maximum effort for this amount of time. And they scale the workouts down. So you're not doing the same workout as the guy who's been in there for 10 years and is about to compete in a local tournament. You're you're doing the same workout, but it's scaled down, right? So it is really acceptable. I think CrossFit's doing a pretty good job of making it more accessible and marketing it as like, hey you want to lift your kids without getting a back tweak? Do you want to be able to go camping and not worry about your lumbar? Do you want to be able to pick something up out of your car without your hamstrings feeling tight? Do CrossFit. You'll feel right. better. You'll like the way you look better. You'll like what you can eat more. It's really cool. Really cool sport.
1: That's awesome. Well, you're selling it, so I'm into it. <laughs> so why don't we talk about 2023, the year that we're in, and tell me some of the initiatives that you're currently working on right now in terms of this is a marketing podcast, so would love to understand. Yeah. What are the channels that are working for you? Did you try anything that you're like, yeah, not doing that again?
0: When you make a lot of shots, you're upping your risk for mistakes. And we are proud of that.
1: That's the way you have to do
0: (laughs) it. (laughs) We're proud of that. So again, my route into this career was through the digital side. So I leverage digital for everything, including retail, brick and mortar, etc. I think just using tech as your friend is going to give you a cutting edge still. Even in the year 2023, you have a lot of people don't understand how to leverage just the most basic of tech stacks to help with traditional channels. What's working for us? What we're tackling this year? Big focus on retail and dot com. We intentionally hinder Amazon, which is interesting, right? A lot of companies are going heavy in Amazon because they're seeing it as a quickly cash flowing channel. We see it more as we don't want to become known as an Amazon brand. Amazon's brilliant for a lot of brands. Really good. Their fees are getting a little aggressive. It is becoming very dangerous, I think, as well, from a brand recognition standpoint. It's just not the same world as it was a few years ago. And if you keep acting like that, it's going to be dangerous. So we intentionally hinder sales on Amazon. But .com and retail, GNC, I'll say, are our biggest channels that we're focusing on right now. And we kind of play a do doe with that right now. And so this year, we had a goal of growing by a uh, bare minimum, 35%, a stretch goal, 55%. We're on pace to hit that 50 55%. A lot of that's from playing this kind of like left hand, right hand jab punch with D to C and retail. So Podium's way we release product is very specific. We just did a campaign for our new solo series, which is a new line of products of individual single ingredient powders that you can kind of mix and match yourself and create your own compounds with and do whatever you want. You have a little more freedom. If you look at that launch strategy that we did. It's, it's very intentional. We kind of do things almost like a sneaker drop. We build a lot of hype. We do a lot of hardcore branding there. We've, I think, gotten close to perfecting that strategy. There's a different flavor of it, I'll say, in every kind of release that we do, but that strategy is working really well for us. On how we make D2C play with retail, though, we build a ton of awareness. And I'm not afraid of dropping our conversion rate for the sake of awareness and going, hey, The more eyes right now that I can retarget, the more I can send a GNC later with some exclusive offers. So we're doing that now with a brand wide BOGO at GNC just to see more units turn and get more pantry expansion and consumers at GNC. We're not trying to boil the ocean, I think is the simplest way to put it. So when it's a month that we've planned for GNC to kind of let's measure what status quo is, let's not put a ton of spend there. Let's just see where we're at baseline. As a leader. I think that's probably what makes me a little bit more different than other channel leaders is I'm willing to take a loss for the strategy to be a little bit more perfected next quarter. So if we're running a really good campaign on social media, and now we've got branded search, and we've got Pmax going for shopping on Google and all this other stuff, there are times when I'll tell our team, hey, I know what the data says, and I know what these dashboards are saying, let's just turn off a few of these right now and actually see what happens to our level of conversion or, you know, our spend will go down, obviously, let's see. And so we play a really, really specific daily meet kind of strategy game, and it's working really well. I think the biggest misses that we've had is just capitalizing on other social channels. And this is just good advice for other marketing leaders here is you'll notice podium Instagram is our baby. TikTok is neglected. I think most brands are kind of like Facebook who, right? We don't really do a Snapchat kind of thing. We weren't on Be Real. And at first, I saw that as a bigger loss than it was because that we missed that TikTok boom. but. We just didn't have a bandwidth. We're a small team. I only have two people on my marketing team right now. And we contract out the rest of the stuff as needed. I have one girl's amazing, Shay. She sits on kind of the brand side. And then I have a performance director, Shrey, who's really cool as well. And that's it. And so when I was looking at where we're spreading ourselves too thin, I'm like, look, we're just going to not focus on TikTok. That's a loft and a win, right? We're training ourselves to focus and feed the winner, but it is a missed opportunity. We missed, some of our competitors exploited on that. and We saw huge growth with GNC from that. But for us, it was calculated. It was, we already have this channel that's working. Let's just do it. So I think now my biggest task is going, all right, boiling the ocean, I think, is when you spread too thin for the size of your team. That doesn't mean you can't just do more things though. So I got to find a way to creatively increase our bandwidth so that we can tackle more of these channels.
1: So, like right now, your main channels are so you have your D2C website. I think you have a loyalty program and a bunch of subscribers. So, email marketing yeah. is huge for you.
0: Our email marketing, I think, is our backbone of our retention. And this year, I've been talking a lot about like on LinkedIn and everywhere retention is acquisition in this economy, especially. It's yeah. not 2016 Facebook ads anymore. That's not a business model. That is just right. a channel, and people have to accept that. Email marketing is one of our biggest tools. We have a 48.6% open rate on our email marketing. We care a lot about that channel a lot. Our click-through is very strong. Part of that strategy is that we're not always just wallet fishing. I really was hard on our team about this. And I stepped in and hey, not every email is going to be for sales. We have to brand build. We have to offer content. We have to nice. offer exclusivity. We have to offer entertainment. And then we can ask for people's money. So we're really big on segmentation and frequency. We're really big on what we're saying and why. And then, yeah, to your point, our loyalty program that launched, again, my background is building software and running an agency. We built an in-house loyalty program and subscription platform and referral platform that is working really well. We've soft launched it. And so far, we've got... 3,500 people actively using the loyalty program. And for a brand our size in the second year, it's huge. So the next rollout of that is, yeah, I'm super excited. The next rollout of that is a really cool project I'm excited for, where we've built a receipt scanner so that when shoppers are going into GNC, they can still collect podium points that we can apply to whatever they want in our yeah, internal great. royalty program. And we're also tracking what they're buying from other brands too, in a mixed basket. So we're like, oh, interesting. You bought our powder, but you got a Lonnie News XYZ. Uh-huh. Okay. And if we see that pattern creep up enough, product dev can take that and run with it.
1: Yeah, sure. So, that's Really great. excited about that. <laughs> yeah, that's really good product intel right there. I want to point out how Dylan is very intentional to say that they don't want Podium Nutrition to be just a quote-unquote Amazon brand. For marketers, there's a time and place for Amazon, but you run the risk of brand dilution. If you don't already have a strong core audience or other retail partnerships, that can really happen, and I do think that that's smart. Secondly, it's also smart to mimic sneaker drops for their product launches where... They build up hype with the core base of fans so they're primed and ready for launch day. Brilliant. And lastly, I think we could all relate to Dylan talking about the balance between taking a lot of shots to see what works while making hard decisions to focus on channels you can realistically support. What makes Dylan's strategies effective are the ability to choose the right time to focus on awareness, retargeting, or positioning based on his knowledge of the audience and what the conversion rates are really telling him. His degree from the University of U2 has really paid off To think about this when you're in the daily grind of what you do, but what kind of impact are you looking to make with the work that you're doing with Podium?
0: Lofty is great because I think Lofty is honest. I think we've been trained to run away from lofty claims or lofty goals and desires, but yet in reality, I think that's where most of us live in our heads. We don't wake up in the morning and go, I only want a 3% raise. Most of us are like, I want to make double. And no one will admit that, but I want to make double. I want to grow by double. I want to grow. And I think. Excellent founders and excellent leaders have found ways to go. That's not lofty, that's just honest. And so, lofty goal wise, I want to build a brand that my grandkids will know about. And that is bold. But I think when I aligned myself with Podium and bought into the brand, I saw a label that was kind of like a 2023 Wheaties, where it could very easily become iconic. And we're in our infancy right now. So people will laugh at that, but I don't really care that the vision is there, the brand is there, the products are strong, and our community focus is so strong that I think that is a very attainable goal. So being on shelf and a regularly purchased kind of gold standard level product, that is the goal. I don't like aligning myself with business models that are kind of a firework. I'd rather a slow burn into a good bonfire into a big you know, kind of hearth. And the fireworks are cool and they're great stories, but that's not what gets me going. So for Podium, I want to make sure that my grandkids know about the marketing on it at the very least or can actively purchase it. So, and the rate we're having kids and everything, that'll probably be sooner than I'd hope, but yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll be a young granddad. That's for sure. That's Um, it. That's it. (laughs) So write the headline of a glowing feature story about podium nutrition five years into the future. What would be your vision of what you would want to see on the publication of your choice?
0: Right away, I thought Olympics. That's an amazing mini game for you to ask the guest. Is like a 20 second copyright experiment right there on the get go. Publication wise, again, the digital nerd side of me is kicking in. Yeah. So I'm like everywhere, all at once. <laughs> but I think seeing Podium partner with the Olympics in a permanent and meaningful way that would be very, very exciting. Our branding is even built off of kind of that like 80s take on the Olympic rings, and that is the goal. So we're going after athletes. I just had a meeting two weeks ago with an agent for some really cool Olympians. We're going after this actively right now. But I say it wouldn't be a stretch for us to be publicly involved with the Olympics five years from now in a meaningful way, not just kind of a sideshow sponsor. We aren't an apparel company. No one's going to strap a bottle of pre-workout to their head as they're swimming laps for gold. So we got to figure out what to do creatively there. But I think like podium takes on the Olympics would be an amazing headline to see. I would love that. Just a global presence. Yeah.
1: That's such a great goal to have. I love that. But I'd love to get to your entrepreneurial side gig of <laughs> chewing gum. Let's talk about that. Why chewing gum? How did you get into it? Why is this a thing?
0: Yeah. I've always just really been passionate about chewing gum. <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Some of my earliest memories in convenience stores are of my mom purchasing dentine ice or gum of choice. I didn't wake up one morning inspired by gum. I'm not on like gum, like Reddit's like r slash gum. No, I'm not. You just no, me as no, that no. gum. Maybe now I am just <laughs> for some early campaigns and seeding a little bit. Yeah. But um, no, gum, why gum? So when I worked, my first job in action sports and kind of that world was for a company called Rinse Kit. I loved the product. Our purchase rate was great. We we're on Shark Tank, a lot of attention, really cool, like viral GoFundMe campaign. But I was running operations and I couldn't stand the shipping cost. And so I was like, wow, if you could have a product that sold this much and weighed as much as a Dixie cup, you would make a killing. Like just marginally, you could grow so much faster. And so I've always wanted to own something that was small and easy to ship. When I came into the agency, I was like, you know, still thinking about what brand we wanted to start. I was really good at making sales. I'm like, I wish I could just collect the revenue for this. I just don't have a brand that I'm passionate about. Right. Again, I was a musician. I grew up in the adult swim and like weird cartoon network era of animation. And I've always had these weird kind of ideas. And finally, after working in CPG a little bit, I was like, well, everything seems to be functional now, which is awesome. Because if you already have a product, why not make it more productive? Right? He's, right. He's hailing back to like Willy Wonka, like give this like fizzy soda drink that's awesome. But like now you're floating. That's cool. That's really, really cool. It's delicious taste with a function. And I was like, well, Why is no one doing gum? Like gum, if I look at every retail shelf, it's just the same old brands. And most of them are owned by Mars Wrigley. Five gum is, I think, the last notable new gum launch. They're owned by Mars Wrigley. Like it's an in-house brand that they launched. And kudos to them. They're still used in memes to this day of like when top comments on Instagram say like, what it feels like to chew five gum. And it's someone like falling off of a chair at a barbecue or something like, it's funny. (laughs) But I saw the retail landscape. I saw convenience. And then I saw this huge... Presence of functional foods and like Whole Foods and Sprouts, but there's this entire economic class and accessibility thing. That's like, why can't Whole Foods, E, Super Chews be in convenience as well? And it's like, well, some of that's on a marketing level. Consumers are different. I get that, but can they not be marketed better? Are we just giving up? And so I saw this as an opportunity to go, okay, convenience has been underserved in gum. There's just nothing new on the shelf, and when there is something new, that's all natural, plastic free naturally flavored, naturally sweetened, beneficial gum. That's very expensive. And at Whole Foods and Sprouts, why can't we convenience stores have it? So the motto that I kind of came out with was like, let's give bougie gum at gas station prices. And so from the efficacy standpoint, we with Buddy's Gum, we started building out these formulas that have, you know, vitamin D3, vitamin C, vitamin, but it's all micro dosed, right? So I'm not trying to give you your daily dose of vitamins and a piece of right. gum. That's insane. That's crazy. No one should right. chew that. But if it could be a piece of gum that's good and it freshens your breath, and on top of that, you're like, oh, there's some vitamin D3 in here. That's great. Right. I thought that was a fun story. But that doesn't really market itself. And again, musician and the cartoons were like, what if we took this play of making our influencers instead of picking a segment like athletes or tiktok girls or whatever like instead we go hey let's get some independent musicians in here and make a cartoon this is where i lose people sometimes but hopefully i've built enough trust with showing what i do with podium and other brands that people figure out oh he knows what he's doing he's onto something. Yeah. And We started building out a cartoon series kind of as an you know homage and recognition of red bulls cartoons when they first came out and looking at the market now with like Rick and Morty and other adult animation, we're like, why can't we just do cartoons as our marketing? Instead of spending money on influencers, let's entertain people and actually do it. So long story short, I think I use this as an excuse to create a gum that I thought would taste good and get an excuse to make cartoons for a living. I think that's actually why I'm launching a yeah, new product. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm picking that up too.
0: <laughs> the next step is kind of wild. We're building out a factory of our own because co-manufacturing for gum is insane. It's like 30 ton minimums. A ton is like 16,800 packs of gum for Buddies. I don't need 30 tons. And so we're just building our own factory, which is a lot to chew on, pun intended, but we're getting there. So that's where Buddies is right now.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, we'll have to have you back then when you're ready to talk about Buddies in terms of the launch and when you're in market and everything.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want people to know about you, about Podium, about Buddies?
0: No, I think that's it. I appreciate just being able to come on and share the story. And anybody who's listening, thank you for listening. Hit me on LinkedIn for some weird, weird content, sometimes also productive content.
1: (laughs) Yep, I can vouch for that, people. It's weird, but also (laughs) fun and entertaining and productive. So it's all good. Well, thanks, Dylan. I'm so glad to have you. Thanks, Jacqueline. This conversation with Dylan highlights how personal passions like his passion for chewing gum can really keep you rooted in your professional purpose and keep you energized. And also his problem solving and entrepreneurial mindset seems to be a perfect fit to help podium compete among a really crowded supplement market. But today I'm going to leave you with one key insight that you can apply to your situation right now. And the insight is be intentional, literally with everything. If you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. So Podium is hyper intentional with knowing who their core audience is and not straying too far away from serving their wants and needs. They're also intentional about building a lifestyle performance brand found at GNC who happens to also be sold on Amazon. This is a very important nuance. And finally, Podium is intentional about not boiling the ocean with their marketing tactics they do some experiments and focus and feed the winner. If it sounds simple, that's because it is. Guys, if you're looking for a great nutritional supplement to improve your workouts, you can learn more about Podium Nutrition at 321podium.com. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, founder and chief strategist at Brand Crudo, a marketing consultancy. If you need help creating differentiation for your company, this is what I do every day. You can find my contact info on brandcrudo.com or the show notes. Thanks again for listening.